More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com. Your Bibles turn to Acts 3. It's where we'll be. It's been a crazy past couple weeks for the Gibson family. Um, we, two weeks ago, had a little baby boy we're pretty excited about. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. It's our second one. No one needs to clap at that one. What's up with that? I mean, like, I know, second. So, like, I heard, uh, I heard a comedian say one time that, like, this might be borderline appropriate, I don't know, but, like, he said, uh, he's like, you want to know, he had four kids, so Trent has four kids, and I've got two now, and he's like, you know what, you want to know what it's like having four kids? Imagine, like, you're in the ocean, and you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby, and he's like, that's what it feels like having four kids, and so, like, now I feel like I'm maybe treading water in the, like, the, the stand-up zone, you know, I can still stand, and my, the water, like, comes here, and so, like, the past couple of weeks, we've been, like, spending a lot of time at Target, you know, and, like, I've been changing a ton of diapers, and, um, you know, and staying up late, it's like I haven't slept, like, more than, like, three and a half, four hours again, so I, it's been just an incredible, you know, two weeks, when you think about that as well, and uh, so, like, by the time the first week got here, though, like, or the second week in, or first week ended, second week got here. Like, I, I'm a, like an energy guy. I get out of the house. Like, I hate being home. Like, if I am home for too long, I'm like walking into walls just to walk into walls, you know? Like, what am I going to do with my time? Uh, you know, like, it's just, this, that's kind of how I feel. And so, like, I'm by 6.30 on, like, this whole past week, I, I took some time off from the office and just to stay home, create a new normal for grace. And, uh, like, I am, like, you know, like thinking of like body weight workouts I can do, like in the corner, I'm doing like air squats and stuff just to keep myself busy. And, and uh, so like every, every week, at, every night at like 6, 6.30, Cora and I have like ended up at Foothills Mall every single night. It's been, been pretty hilarious. And so like, what's funny is that like, I've seen like half our church there, you know? So it's like, weirdly, like I go there, but so do you, you know, it's like, there's not a lot to do there, but we are all there. I'm like, hey, 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 you know, it's just, it's a, it's a pretty much, that's what I've been doing for the past two weeks. So like, needless to say, I'm, I'm excited um, with a ton of energy ready to, to bring God's word and to, to look at this new series that we're talking about called As You Go. And uh, so just to, to kind of describe that, it comes from Deuteronomy 6, which we've read before lots of times in here and in our family ministry stuff. When it comes to like, as you go, like we are as Christians living our lives in such a way where we go as disciple makers, no matter what. So like we're like living with a certain posture, if I can, can describe it that way. Like I am, you know, like I, I am clothing myself with this, this framework and this worldview and this posture that, hey, as a Christian, I'm also a disciple maker. And so like, I'm not going to compartmentalize the two, you know, like I'm not going to like come here and be a Sunday Christian. And then I'm going to go to work on Monday morning and be the work guy. And then I'm going to come home and be the husband guy, you know, and then I'm going to go and sit in my recliner and be the recliner guy. You know, like I am a Christian all the way around. Everything about me is about being a follower of Jesus. And then everything, it, it pours out from there, like spokes on a wheel, the center, the nucleus, Jesus, the gospel, called to make disciples, and then everything else in my life 
revolves around that. And so that's like the as-you-go concept. Like as we go, not just in our family, because Deuteronomy 6 is all about like as you like train your child, like as you eat meals together, walk down the road, go to your neighbor's house, go to ball games, do stuff. Like that's when you talk about Jesus to your family. I think it transcends that. Like we are, we are all believers going together with a certain mission to go and make disciples of all nations. And so Acts 3 kind of brings us to the forefront of where we want to be in the sense of John and Peter's relationship, kind of what they're doing and what's happening. And so my goal really with this series and to, to begin to lay the, the foundation and the framework for you is to take this concept of discipleship, like everybody glue in here, right? To take the concept of discipleship, raise the bar for all of us. Like not just like, you know, the, the person who's been a Christian for two years or two months, but all of us, 20 years, 25 years, 35 years, raise the bar in two ways. Our understanding of what it is to be a disciple maker, okay? Our understanding of what it means to be a disciple maker, but also our urgency in making disciples. Like not just this is something we're supposed to do. This is the culture we live in. We come on Sunday morning, but there's a posture about us. I like to call it a warlike posture like a warlike posture that we are called to make disciples. We are called to reach people. We are called to reach the next generation. We are called to disciple children. We are called to disciple teenagers. And it's this warlike, like urgency, roll up my sleeves, messy type of ministry. That's what we're called to. So my goal is to say, all right, where are you at? All right, you think through some of this stuff. Like here's where I am. Here's where I want to go. Here's, what, here's where I want to be. Here's what I'm called to be as a disciple maker and someone who is, is called to make disciples um, of everything, of everything that we do. And so really kind of breaking this down in four ways for me over this series is our family. Like, are, are you, uh, you know, a dad and a mom? Do you have children? Well, you're a disciple maker. Okay, our family, um, our church. Like right now, there's 100, 150 kids worshiping over there right now who Hopefully his parents are discipling them, but also someone can come alongside their parents and disciple them. Like we have kids, lots of kids, worshiping Jesus over there, but they, they're not just going to get it here on Sunday. Like that's not all they're going to get. Hopefully they're going to get someone to disciple them. So like I'm praying that, that, you know, older men and older women, teenagers, young 20s, mid 20s, college students, whatever, um, are passionate about serving in our children's ministry and also like uh, our student ministry. You know, we have anywhere from 150 kids in a, involved in our student ministry right now. They need someone to disciple them. Middle schoolers need discipleship. High schoolers need discipleship. And so when it comes to our church, we are disciple makers. We have new believers in here. Um, there's a class upstairs right now called Starting Point that's taking place with new believers. Discipleship. Like we need discipleship. So family, church, also community. All right. So like you live in the community. You have neighbors. You have a third place. Weirdly, mine is Foothills Mall right now. So like I'm walking around talking to the cell phone guys, you know, that are selling cell phones. Like for the 1500th time, no, I don't want a case for my cell phone, you know, but I'm there. I'm trying to make this my third place. And Target, weirdly, is that, you know, we're like a first name basis with the cash register people. And uh, I mean, that's just our third place. Some of you have kids, um, 8 to 12 to 13, you know, you're in sports, you're in the gym two nights a week, third place, right? You're on the soccer field two nights a week in the warmer seasons, third place. So that's, that's kind of the concept that I'm saying. We're, we're seeing ourselves everywhere we go as what? 
disciple makers in that light. And then finally, not just our community, but also to the world. And so um, the latest statistics are saying like something like 7.1 billion people in the world today. 2.9 billion of that 7.1 billion. Like that's just a number to us right now. It's not personal. Like it's just big picture. Have never heard of Jesus. Like that's almost 3 billion people have never heard of Jesus. So like when I say warlike, like that's what I mean. Like I'm not just saying that to have a catchy phrase. Like we have to say like we are called as Christians to reach people and everything we are and who we are, everything about us is about as we go, we are giving the opportunity to other people to know about Jesus. And so let's look in Acts 3 together. What I'm going to do here is I'm not going to read it and give you like the, the normal three point, four point deal. I'm just going to kind of start working through it and I'm going to stop and make observations kind of as we go in that way. But first, before we dive in, let me pray for us. We'll get into it. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the fact that we can come in here and, and study it together. Thank you for the fact that it's infallible, authoritative. It speaks to our life. And as we look at uh, the heroes of our faith, the foundations of the early church and Peter and John, I pray that our lives can potentially, with intentionality, mimic their life as well. And so I pray that you are glorified this morning. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Acts 1, going through verse 10 here. I'm sorry, Acts 3, verse 1 through 10 should be on the screen as well. So verse 1, now Peter and John. So there's our characters, Peter and John. We know a lot about Peter from the New Testament. We know a lot about John from the New Testament. We're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And so right off the bat, what does it mean to make disciples as we go? Like, what does it mean? Um, well, I think, first of all, it means being committed to a local church, um, period. Like, you know, I, I think we see Peter and John um, with intentionality and consistency, maybe. Like, if I can take that liberty because of chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, where they're like living life together, eating meals together, going to the temple and worshiping together. And then, you know, they're having like a, a consistent time where they are going and being a part of a local body, a local institution or a local church. And so Peter and John were going up to the temple. And so I think there's like a, a weird dynamic, like tension forming, maybe not that, but just weird dynamic in, in the church today where there's like the local church Christian and then there's like the everything else but the local church Christian. You know what I mean? Like the, you, you maybe are that person, you probably have know that person right off the bat, but there's like, we're committed to our local church, but then there's this person that's not really committed to the local church, but they are involved in this ministry or that ministry and this ministry. And, you know, it's they're the, maybe the conference Christian. They go to this conference, to that conference, to this conference, and they, they you know, are, are filled up at this conference, and then they go back to this conference to be filled up at. They go back to the conference to be filled up at in, in that sense. And so there's, a, there's an aspect, I think, to where being an as-you-go type of disciple maker, um, first and foremost, from like beginning of Matthew, really in Acts, when the church is birthed through Revelation, it's all about the local church. Like when Paul goes on his missionary journeys, he's planting local churches. Like he's planting Foothills churches in 
you know, wherever he's at, like going on his missionary journeys in Corinth and Rome and Thessalonica and wherever he's going, local churches are happening. And so I think, first of all, like we have to say, like, are we committed to the local church? Like that's, that's where we got to be, like committed to God's bride. Um, I don't necessarily think that Jesus came and died for like the conferences. I think those are expressions of our faith. But I think he came and died for the church. And so we have to say, first and foremost, like we are going to be committed to the local church and who we are as believers. And so now Peter and John were going to the temple. So at the hour of prayer, they were going to worship the ninth hour. Verse two, and a man lame from birth. So like we know this guy might be one of the people that Jesus talked about in Matthew, calling them the least of these. He's probably something like this, crippled, lame, um, is kind of a synonym there, here. And so like a man lame from birth, like when he was born, does not have the capacities that we have, right? Like he is, this is, this is the other character. So we're introduced to Peter and John, like Jesus-fearing, courageous, warlike dudes. And then this guy, right, who is lame from birth. So a man lame from birth was being carried. So he was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. And so lame from birth, we already see that people in this, this story, like we're here, um, that were carrying him. Like th- these guys, like I want to know more, like who are these guys? You know, like are these the guys who have compassionate hearts? Are they the guys who are like behind the scenes, like getting this guy to the temple and then taking all his money? You know, like what is going on with these guys? And so um, like I want to think that they are the ones carrying him like with a servant-hearted posture already. So like these people are existing, right? Like they're there. They're already doing the messy. They're already, um, you know, in it when it comes to genuineness of, of ministry and intimacy of ministry. Um, and, and they're already existent kind of where this is taking place. So a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. So alms is just like materials, so possession. So not necessarily just money. Maybe he's sitting there asking for food or clothing or a place to stay or just whatever material aspect is happening here. And so he is asking though for alms. And so picture this, right? Like Think about coming into Foothills Church on Sunday. Here's the picture in modern day context is that you drive into the parking lot, you pull into your parking spot, like before you come in and you get your coffee and your cinnamon bagel and you come in and the comfy chairs and the fog machine, you know, comes up. Then the person is already out front asking for alms. So asking for possession. So it's like, oh man, I don't know if I want to drive in and walk through the front door because there's some guy that's kind of crippled there asking for money. So I'm just going to kind of drive to the back door, right? Like most of us do just to kind of avoid that and in that situation. And so like, that's the, like, that's obviously a different context. And so, however, we're still feeling the tension, I think. Like, like, you know, like I, I go to Walmart and the people who are out front, like here, here's, here's the tension I feel. Like, I, I, like the guys are out front at Walmart and I'm like looking for the other door, you know, like, ooh, you know, like I just don't want to have to ask this, you know, like there's a, a guy in wherever, downtown Knoxville, that I know is probably going to ask for something. I'm like, my immediate posture is like, you know, to walk and then turn, you know, like just, I got to not be in his presence because I don't want the awkwardness, whatever it is. 
magnify that when he's outside of a church building, right? Like they're going to worship. And if this is taking place in our context, like he's right outside and he is asking for stuff. He's, he's there. And like as Christians who are walking in to worship the God of the universe, we have a choice to make and we have a tension to feel and we have something that we're struggling with. Like, man, I'm going in, I'm doing this, I'm worshiping and that's happening outside, right? That's happening outside. And so like, I think the question in the discussion is better unfolded this way. Um, is it right to give or is it wrong to give? Like, is it right to give to the person who's asking for money, um, knowing, not knowing what they're going to do with it? Or is it, is it, you know, is it right to like, be like, oh man, I don't know. I've got my own stuff. I need to be a good steward of my money. I don't know what you're going to do with it type of thing. Um, you know, I think that discussion kind of lays forth kind of where we're going and, and setting us up here. And so I want to say two things really um, about that. And, and one is like, and I'll, I'll, before I get there, like I'll tell you this, so before I had Cora two years ago, well, before we moved here, I lived in Louisville, Kentucky and went to seminary there. And like, I don't know why I would do this. I don't do it now because Grace told me to stop. I'm like, you have kids now, you can't do this. But I would pick up homeless guys, all right? And I, they would be like holding a sign and be like, hey, you want to come to Wendy's? It's like my criteria, I, I'll tell you, was, I, I thought it was kind of smart. I don't know. But like my criteria was like, I kind of measured them up. And if it looked like I could, you know, beat them up, then I will. Like if they're going to make a move, like, dude, don't even think about it. They're bigger. I'm driving right by. So it was kind of that thing. I was trying to be smart about it. And so like I would pick guys up and we would go to Wendy's and, you know, I would drive by some guy and I would feel the tension like, oh, I don't give anything or whatever. And one time here in Maryville, I was at a gas station and uh, a guy approached me and like already feeling it. Like I, I know he's walking to me. He looks like he's going to ask for money. I'm like head down, pumping gas, hurry up, hurry up, get in, you know, peel out before he gets there. He comes up. He's like, sir, do you have any money that I can have? And I look at him and and, you know, kind of his, his first appearance, um, what, you know, he was shaking a little bit. His eyes were bloodshot. And, you know, there were just other characteristics about him that made me think that he, um, you know, was, was probably going to use that money for something else. And so in my spirit, like I, I, maybe it was, I don't know, I say that, but like I, I didn't give him money. Um, and so like my question to you is like, was that wrong? You know, like, was it, should have I, um, you know, should I, should have I given him even though whatever, you know, should I not do this? Should I do this? Should you do that? Like, where's the line? And, and, and he kind of, here's what I would say. Like, Peter, remember, we're, we're setting this as Peter and John walk to the temple, a guy's like asking for money, All right, We're setting the, the playing field here. Um, two things. One is that I feel like God knows my heart. Um, and here's what I mean. Like, if I give to the guy sitting out at Foothills Church and he's asking for stuff, the crippled guy, and I don't know what he's going to do with it and I still give, I feel like God knows my heart, right? Like I'm going to give. Um, I don't think God's sitting on his throne like being like, oh, mm, Gibson, mm, you don't know what he's going to do with it. You know, like, uh, don't do it. But I feel like he knows and his character is good and it's reflected in what I'm trying to do. Um, and so at the end of the day, I can rest in that. Like, I'm going to give to who I want to give, and I'm going to give to who I don't want to give. And, you know, and, and so, like, there's the tension. The, the, second, the second thing, after God really knowing our motives, um, is just this, this conversation 
on a big picture giving. So this is small picture giving, like big picture giving. And I think it plays into this a little bit. And so if you'll, you'll bear with me as I, I teach through this just for a second. The concept here is, are we as a big picture giver fostering dependency or creating sustainability? All right. So are we fostering dependency or are we creating sustainability? So here's what I mean. So as a church, if we go and we partner with a church in Haiti and say, we're going to pay, we're going to pay for your existence for the next 10 years, or or we're going to go year by year, I don't know. And we're going to give you, you know, $40,000 to, uh, every year to, to have a church service of 200 people, to have a foster care system, to have a school to pay your, to pay your salaries. I know it doesn't sound much, but in a context like that, it is. And then, we pray about it and think through it. And then we decide, eh, I don't think we're going to, you know, we, we kind of reverse our decision maybe the next year, the following years, and we don't provide for that church anymore. We think we're going elsewhere. That's, de- that's what I mean. That's dependency. It's like we're creating a relationship that is them dependent on me. And that's where I would submit to you that it is unhealthy. Like in any relationship that you have, um, if it is a need-based relationship where it requires more from the giver to the givee, you know, the person that's receiving to make the relationship healthy, then it's never going to be healthy uh, in that way because it always requires more from the giver to keep it healthy. However, I think what we see here modeled throughout the New Testament is a concept of creating sustainability. And so instead of here's 40,000, here's, here's, a, here's a model and here's a concept where we can help you go and turn 10 pigs into 500 pigs. And then that business helps you feed your family, you know, foster your church, pay for your teacher salaries and so on and so on and so on. Um, and I would even go out, listen, and know my heart on this. Like I would even go out to like the end of a branch on the end of the twig on the branch and say that that type of giving might be borderline sinful, like in the sense of like just irresponsible um, and, and un, you know, I think an uneducated um, and unintentional bad stewardship in a sense. And so like everything that we're doing here at Foothills when it comes to missions, whether it's local or global, is like our team and our staff is saying like, how can we pray through this to where we are helping create sustainability? Like, is this a dependent relationship or are we helping in everything that we're doing, trying to create sustainability, whether it's a love the city ministry, a love the city partnership, um, or a global ministry or whatever it is uh, kind of within that. And, and so I think we see like Peter um, and John do this. All right. And here, here's kind of the guideline for, for what I, what I mean by this. And here's a slide to kind of help you out. It's a, uh, it's three things that I think are happening here, right? I think ministry of mercy could potentially be happening. I think a ministry of empowerment could potentially be happening. I think a ministry of evangelism could potentially be happening here. Um, and here, here's what I mean by this. If I'm in, where, if I'm in Cat Pace in Haiti and I give a bottle of water to a guy, I make his day better, right? Ministry of mercy. Like young person, like if your parent gives you $20 to go to do whatever, um, makes your day better, right? But if I go into Cap Haitian Haiti and teach a whole community about clean water, that is ministry of empowerment. If a ministry of mercy changes their day, a ministry of empowerment does what? Like it changes their entire life. Like everything about who they are and their community framework is now completely changed. Like ministry of empowerment. And then a ministry of evangelism, if ministry of mercy changes their day, empowerment changes their lifestyle, eternity changes, uh, excuse me, um, evangelism changes their eternity, 
right, in that sense. And I think all three have to happen in our missions and in our giving and how we think about missions and how we think about overseas missions, locally, everything that we do. And I think that's happening here. And so continuing here, verse two, a man lame from birth was being carried. When they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that's called beautiful gate to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So he sees them, he asks for this stuff. So taking the last 10 minutes of everything we talked about, now how do we, how do we lay the, the foundation, right, of, of what's about to take place? Um, I think that's, that's the question now. So in Peter, verse 4, I love this about Peter's character and his personhood and who he is. He directed his gaze at him. So like Peter... Like is, is personal, I think. We know that about Peter's character throughout the New Testament. Um, how often like, do we not get involved in the personal? Right? Like how Peter's here, he's directing his gaze, he looks. Like I'm in Walmart going the other way. Right? Like I'm seeing the guy at the gas station. I'm like, all right, all right, come on, come on, come on, come on. In my car, pill out, you know, like I, like that's the weird feeling. But Peter's like personal, like let me look at you um, and let me kind of model this aspect of where like I'm rolling up my sleeves a little bit. I'm practicing ministry that's messy, right? Like it's not, I mean, how often do we say like, all right, we're Christians, we want to be missional, but we'll just write the check, we'll send someone else to do it. It's not for me. Um, not what I think following Jesus is. I think Peter models it pretty clearly here in the sense that like he rolls up his sleeve, he practices the intimate, he practices the messy, and he gets, he, I mean, he is involved like relationally. Like this is the beginning of the relationship. Like the guy outside asking for something, like, we just kind of like, oh, I don't have anything. Um, but Peter is there, you know, and, and we're going to see what he does. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. <clears throat> so we know it's about John's character, too. As did John. And he said, he said, look at us. So, so he's, he's talking to him, like, hey, you're a person. Like, you're not just a project, right? Like, you're not just a guy I'm giving money to. You're not just some guy I'm checking off my list that I helps. Um, but you're real. You're here. Our relationship is forming now. And so, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us, verse 5, and he fixed his attention. This is the, the lame man. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. How often is this our posture too? Like, we want to write the check, right? Like, write the check here. You can have it. Um, but also, like, the weird tension of giving is there. And then we are just in this posture of wanting to receive all the time. You know what I mean? Like, families. Like, I, she should have served me this way. He should have served me this way. Our expectations are colliding. I mean, and it constantly happens when there's conflict in marriage. It's because expectations aren't the same. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And so it's this weird dynamic of, expecting to receive like the holidays are on like you know right here or upon us and like we go to our in-laws and we have to go to this and we have to go to this and like if you're like me it's like why can't it all just be one thing you know like I want it to revolve around my schedule and whatever it is and you know I'm expecting to receive the benefit of that um and you come in here you, you expect your parking spot like a couple of months ago like 
when we were in one service, there wasn't a place to, to park. And there were like people driving around and pulling out of the, the parking lot. Um, you know, it's pretty, it's awesome, awesome thing to have, but like we expect a parking spot, you know, like we need a place to park. We come in, we expect our coffee. We expect the cinnamon bagel. Um, we expect to come in here and, and to have a seat. Like, you know, like what happened one Sunday if we just like took out all the chairs and you were like, well, joke's on you. You're sitting on the ground today. You know, like, I mean, you expect these things. And I think that they, the posture is that this is how we go about our life. We expect the paycheck at work, even if we're not working as hard as we should for it. Right? We expect our kids to be well-behaved and love Jesus, and we're, we're really not discipling them at home. Um, you know, we, we could go on. We expect to have a good marriage, but as a husband, I sit in my recliner all day, and I'm passive towards my family. Um, like, that's, that's the tension here. You know, like I, I want to, to have something that I am expecting. And so he fixes attention on them, expecting to receive something from them in verse six. But Peter said, what do you say? He said, I have n- nothing to give you pretty much. Like I have no silver and no gold to give you. And so again, I love this about Peter's character, right? Like Peter's honest here. Like his yes was yes, his no is no, right? Um, when it comes to like, me, if this is me in that situation, like I'm saying, like, oh, sorry, I don't have anything. And then I'm running away, like holding my, my pocket so it doesn't jingle, you know, like, like it's a kind of a weird thing, right? So it's like he was honest. Um, and so may, maybe this is like a picture of us, like how we should go about giving and our lifestyle and what we should do. Uh, maybe it should be this, like, you know, if, if you are, you know, like, prone to, to lie and say, no, it's easier to fake sick and to call into work. You know, you don't want to go that day. You're going to be like, oh, I'm, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the, 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 you know, the parallel here um, is that, you know, no, I, I don't have anything or, you know, yes, I do, but I don't want to give. I mean, I think the truth might be just the best. Um, letting our yes be yes and our, and our no be no, because I, I think that feeds into to everything else that we do. And so Peter said, I have no silver and I have no gold. So like for me, like I'm working on this. <clears throat> like I'm working on like the no, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's easy. Like I'm practicing with high schoolers all the time. You know, it's just like easy to practice with them. Like they're like, hey, you want to go to dinner? I'm like, no. Like no explanation. It's, it's incredible, you know? Like you want to go see a movie? No. Um, it's a little bit harder when it's like an adult. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, you want to do this? No. Explanation. Um, it's a little bit harder when it's your boss, you know, like, oh, can you do this for me? Um, usually it's yes, even if you can't, um, you know, probably bad illustration. But like when it comes to giving, there's the tension, right? Like, do, can you give? Well, I can give, but I don't really want to. That's, that's honestly, right? Like, I mean, I, I, and, and maybe the truth is the best. Like, man, I really, if I appreciate what you're doing, but I, I don't really want to, I don't have in that sense. Um, I don't know. I'm putting that out there for you to think through. I'm not telling you how to do it. And so kind of with this, I think that he is honest. Verse six, Peter said, I have no silver and gold. So this is, that's the ministry of mercy. Let me make your day better. Go buy food, go buy clothing, go buy shelter. And then he kind of goes into the ministry of empowerment and evangelism. He says, but what I do have, I give to you. Right? I give this to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. 
And so, like, this is, this is the, the, the ministry of empowerment that we've been talking about. So Peter, verse 7, takes him by the right hand. So again, love Peter. Like, looks at him. He stops what he's doing. Like, he's there with him. And, uh, and then, like, he rolls up his sleeve, like, probably stuff that we wouldn't do, right? And he, he grabs his hand. Like, hey, man, come here. Like, this is, this is weird for us, you know? It's like, hey, here's the check. Don't touch me, you know? But, like, he's there. He's beginning this relationship. He picks him up by the hand. Um, it's, it's beginning to get messy in that sense. It's, it's beginning to be real. And uh, he says, <clears throat> he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, Right? He raised him. That's, that's ministry empowerment. His life was changed. What happens when he, walked, when he got up? It was like, man, like, you know, dance time. Like, it's, it's this is, the, the, I've never danced before. Let's just dance for the next 48 hours. Like, I don't know what happened. But with this, he was made strong. His life was changed. Empowerment happened. And then verse 8, what happened? He leaped up. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like, hey, man, I've never walked before. Teach me how to do this. Pass me your cane. It was like, you know, like, I mean, he was up. He was there. He was ready to go. He leaped up and he stood. He began walking and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping. And then ministry of evangelism, praising God, right? Praising God for what happened in his life. And so we see all these things like take place in this, this story. Mercy, empowerment, evangelism. And then verse 9, and all the people saw him. Like, I, lo- I love this. Like, they saw him. Um, for me, like, I, I, I want to think that, like, when it comes to, like, our church and the things that we're doing, that, that people are, our community, um, it really is kind of beginning to notice, in a sense. Like, like, your neighborhood notices when your small group's meeting there. Well, because there's 10 cars in your driveway. Um, but they're noticing even more, like when you're inviting them and serving them and having them come and be a part of it in that way. And so, like, I, I want to think that because of what we're doing and the partnerships we have, that our community is noticing, like, they saw him, right? Like, they saw them coming. Like, let's just walk through this. Like, he saw him coming. Uh, he asked for stuff. He said, no, I don't have any money. Get up. He leaped up. He started praising God, running around. And then everyone around noticed. That's what happened. Like, people noticed. Like, that didn't happen yesterday. You know, like, that didn't happen, like, an hour ago. Like, this guy has been crippled from, what, from birth. And now he is up and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw it. And so, let me give you a little quick recap of what we've done in 2013. Just, just kind of, it's just a, a small glimpse here um, of kind of what we've been able to do. And this, this doesn't even t- entail, like, Children's ministry, small group stuff, student ministry stuff, um, like stuff that's happening on Sunday morning. This is all like, let's, let's get mission stuff together and let's go do it and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so, first of all, there, we took three teams overseas in 2013. It's pretty, pretty incredible. One to Haiti and two to the Dominican Republic. And that was almost 40 people we took overseas and 10 high school students. Um, in those three trips, we shared the gospel with hundreds of, of people. We served in medical and dental clinics. We helped, plant ch- uh, we helped ch- with church plant initiatives. We helped rebuild a home that burnt down. We helped an entire community gain access to clean water. And we saw dozens of people put their faith in Jesus. Um, pretty, pretty awesome when you think about it. 
Secondly, we gave over 1,500 food bags. Like th- again, like this is a number. It's not really personal. 1,500 food bags to children in our school systems um, who might go home in the weekend and not have food when they leave Friday until they eat again on Monday. It's like they give them for the weekend. They have them, um, you know, and, and their parents are maybe non-existent or using their whatever resources for other things besides caring for their children. Um, <clears throat> that's incredible. Like over 1,500. I mean, it's not incredible that that's existing, but it's amazing that we're seeing that and going after that need. Just the past couple of weeks, we gave over 100 Thanksgiving baskets and 100 Christmas operation shoeboxes. Um, that's awesome. That's a testament to you guys for your service in that. We had every month, we had a team of 20 to 30 people every second Saturday serve at the Second Harvest Food Banks. Like, Families were taking their kids and going and serving and, and, uh, and, and helping them with their distribution needs, whatever that was. And also we had um, several different partnerships in our community, one with the Pregnancy Resource Center that we're you know, continuing to, to foster. And we've had several women serve um, and do different things there as a result of our partnership. And so we're super thankful for them. And we also have, again, like you heard this morning, our Kids Hope um, ministry that's taking place with um, almost a dozen mentors serving in the Alcoa school system, like in that specific school system. And like each mentor is getting two kids. Looks crazy. You know, like it's, it, hey, come and take two kids or three kids. Like they need help. And so like we've been able to see that take place. And, um, and I hope that our community and our neighbors are noticing too. And I think that they are. And I think that they are. And, and, and I think it, it's examined and magnified because like you guys are coming back and you're wanting to do more and more people are getting to know Jesus and like the student ministry has kids, like I don't even know their names right now. I mean, it's just like, it, it's happening, you know? Like you're buying into the vision, you're excited about it. Let's, let's raise it even more and let's go after it with urgency and a greater understanding. And so what happens after that? The people saw him walking and praising God in verse 10 and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms and they were what? Filled with wonder. That's it. I mean, that is, that's making disciples as we go. Like we are giving the opportunity to people, right? As you go with your lifestyle to have other people who you come in contact with, have the opportunity to be filled with God's wonder. Like they're seeing it. Like if you just sit back and you're comfortable, then like they're not gonna see it kind of within that. And so like as believers, We have to have that urgency to say, hey, we're going to go and wherever we go, we're going to take Jesus with us. We're going to be gospel-centered in that. And so one last teaching thing as we close, and I'll kind of sum it all up and wrap up with with lots of application for you here, is is I I want to give you the the paradox of of what missional is and comfortable is. Because I think what we just saw was missional, like them using their lifestyle to serve. Um, comfortable is the opposite. Like comfortable is like driving the parking lot, grab a cup of coffee, grab your bagel, come sit in the padded chair, leave, go home, football, recliner, you know, wake up, do whatever. Um, come back on Sunday, comfortable. Don't talk to my kids about Jesus, comfortable. You really be passive and not have to deal with the hard stuff with my wife, you know, comfortable. Work too much because I don't want to be home, comfortable. 
Like that's what that is. Um, missional is the complete opposite of that. And so if, if comfortable is doing easy things for you, like missional is doing messy things for Jesus. And that's exactly what we saw. And that's like what I'm urging and begging and encouraging that we continue to see. Like we, we understand it. Let's raise the bar even more. We have more people. Let's go, let's go even harder for Jesus. You know, let's, we have more things to do. Let's get more people plugged in. There's so much that we can do. And so to have a missional lifestyle, this last slide here is really kind of what it is all about. Missional equals what you say, what you model, and how you structure. Think about that. Like if you want a lifestyle that's like about Jesus as you go, like, all right, let's just use work, for example. Let's use your home. Um, What you say in your home um, about Jesus is important to your kids. But if you don't model it, it's just like, you know, ear candy, right? Like, oh, there's mom and dad talking about Jesus, but they don't model it in front of me. So we have to model it. We have to go an extra step. And then we have to structure our homes in such a way that that modeling is constantly happening. So like if I'm talking about Jesus with my kids, I'm going to model it by praying at dinner. I'm going to model it by having family faith talks. Then I'm going to structure it by taking my kids overseas. You know, I'm going to structure it by serving together in a Love the City project. I'm going to structure it by hanging out you know, in my front yard and instead of my backyard because I want to meet my neighbors and get to know them a little bit. It's like everything I do is structured. That's, fa- that's, that's home. We could go to work. We could go, you know, extended family. We could go along down the line. But that's what missional is in that sense. And so here, here's kind of how I want to wrap this up. Remember family, church, community, and world at the beginning? Um, the big idea I've saved for the last here. Like to, to kind of bring this all together and then give you some application. And, and the big idea of today is that you are not missionaries because of where you live, but because you belong to a mission. So like, let's blow up the dynamic of missionaries goes to Africa, to Asia, to China, wherever. Um, but let's begin to raise the bar, understanding, urgency, heightened, right? And let's see ourselves as missionaries. In our homes, let's see ourselves as missionaries. In our church, hey, we have lost teenagers who don't know Jesus. We have kids who don't know Jesus just yet, right? In our communities, our neighbors, our work, our third places, and to the nations. And so here's kind of how this works. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down with me, but here's the the family. Here's kind of how this is frameworked, all right? Family. You see yourselves, parents, as the primary disciple makers of your children. You've got to be that. It's not my job, to train your child. It's not Brandon's job to change your, train your child on Wednesday night or Sunday morning. However, he's going to provide the framework. Like if you have a children in the children's ministry, what they're learning right now is all online on our website. Like you can go on there and look at it. And it, Brandon has put stuff on there where you can like have these faith talks with your kids. Like that's what that is. Like you see yourself as the primary disciple maker. Like we're here to come alongside, to help, to champion you, to give you resources, to say, hey, I know this is countercultural. Um, today, but it's never supposed to have been like this. Like, this is how it's supposed to be. Dads, you see yourselves as the spiritual leader in your home, comma, and then you act like it, right? Like if you are prone to like come in here and sit like this and like, you know, and, and just, just like whatever, I mean, like get a warlike posture to where you come in, you model to your kids how to worship, to, to listen to a sermon, to go home, to, to pray at dinner, to disciple your kids by having family faith talks, to take them on father-son outings. Hopefully, dad, you're dating your daughters so that like as they start to date, they see like this is the, 
the bar for my, my relationship that I'm going to have one day because my dad has, has shown this to me. Um, dads cannot be passive here. Like Satan and his army is at war with our young people. Like, you, like this is your primary aim even before waking up at whatever o'clock to go to work. Like this is where we have to put our most attention. And then also you prioritize your family faith talks and worship times. If you have no idea what that is, again, go to our website. Come talk to me about it and we can talk through even how to have a small one at an appropriate age with your kids. And then also you partner with us. So your kids are coming Sunday morning, Wednesday nights. They're here. They're in a small group. They're growing. So this is happening. So again, frameworking here for you, what this might look like. For the, for the church, you, you serve in a ministry. So maybe this, you're sitting here and you're like, all right, I'm trying to get plugged in, but I don't really know where to get plugged in at. First of all, go to base camp so you can just kind of learn more about who we are as a church. Um, and then after you prayerfully decide to partner with us, you say, all right, I want to serve in a ministry. When you walk through the door, like outside and inside and come in here and get handed a folder, that's called the hospitality team. People serve on that every week. It's an easy way to plug in and start serving. There's people in the cafe. There's a team there that you can serve. Shepherd team. There's lots of things on Sunday morning um, that you can connect to. Also, you connect to a small group. So it's, you prioritize what's important, right? Like you prioritize the fact that, hey, like if I'm going to make this as, my, as I go lifestyle, like I'm going to connect. I'm going to connect. And, and so whatever that looks like for you, think through that. Also, you begin to disciple a child or a student in your church. That's like the exclamation point on this is kind of what I'm saying. Like if we want to raise the bar, where are you at now? How do you get to that last one? How do you get to where you have a group of older men in here? You have a group of three to five guys that you're pouring into relationally all throughout the year. You know, same thing, older ladies. Like that's the goal. Like that's what I want to see. And then also in the community, you're intentional about reaching your neighbors. Again, an easy thing to do. Grace and I do this. We sit in our front yard, really because our backyard's infested with spiders and she don't let our daughter go back there. But we also want to, to sit in our front yard and reach our neighbors and get to know them. If we're in our backyard with our privacy fence, um, it's just that, that conversation's awkward. So you are missional at your jobs. Again, how you structure missional is say, model, and structure. You're intentional with your third place. Foothills Mall. It's just my season of life, man. Um, and then you serve in a love of city ministry. So get plugged in with your family. Um, where can you serve? Like maybe a few times a year. We're going to go and serve together every other month. Once a month. That's awesome. So and then the world, finally, globally. You pray for the nations like you're committed. Like as a family. Like I would challenge you this week to, to go home and pray for a nation that's on your heart. Pray for our missionaries that are in Haiti and the Dominican Republic. You give to the nations. So we're going to have an opportunity to give um, you know, on December 15th, and all of our missions offering um, goes to, you know, what we're doing here and what we're doing abroad. And so, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to, to be able to give to you. And then also you go. And so I would love to see this. Like, like here, here's, here's my, like my prayer. Like if I could dream as big as I could dream as a pastor here, I would love to see 100% of 100%, like in the next 10 years, I don't know, like I'm dreaming as big as I can, go overseas. And you're like, oh, I don't know, wait a minute, you know? Like I would love that. Number one, it shows that you're intentional about 
the nations and, and sharing your faith. Remember, too, it's gonna mo- you're going to model that to our younger generation, watching all of our adults. Like, I would love to see, like, here's what I would love to see selfishly. Even though I oversee the high school ministry here, when we do a high school small group, that, or I'm sorry, a high school uh, mission trip to the DR, it fills up with adults first. It's like, sorry, man, our adults are just so passionate. We got to, you know, we got work to do to keep up with them. Um, like, that's, that's what I want to see. That's what I'm praying for, you know, in... Um, in big ways for our church that, hey, maybe this isn't your season of life right now because you've got little kids and, you know, you can't figure that out. Um, but maybe you're helping if you have the finances to do that. You're helping another kid go or you're looking in the future of how I can plug in. And so hopefully, like, w- with all this said, like, you're on the edge of your seat thinking like, like, all right, the bar has been raised. What's next? You know, what's next? And and that's what the next three to four weeks is going to be. Like as we come back and we look, dive into this as-you-go concept even more, um, what's next for you? And so the, the solution is not given today. It's for you to think through and pray through and model and restructure your life in that way. And so I'm going to close today. I'm going to pray for us. Um, as we dismiss, there's counselors in the prayer and care room. You can always go and connect with them talk with them just about what's going on with life, what Jesus is doing in your life. And remember, let's go out, let's leave these doors, and let's go give opportunities for people to be filled with the wonder of Jesus. That's our, that's our, our, our ultimate goal and our aim. Thanks for listening. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com.